Dylan Gallimore, who Philly folks may be familiar with, from his band Honey Jar, uh, who we're big fans of here. Folks know that already. But today, Dylan's here to talk with us about his new project, The Lower Etna, whose debut album, Waiting for God to Turn on the Lights, was released on November 4th. And I am so excited to talk about it with him today. Welcome to the podcast, Dylan. Hi, hello. Hi, I'm excited too. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to, to have you here to talk about this. We've been big fans of this one. Before we jump into, you sent a handful of songs over yeah. um, that, that I do want to talk about and about the album in general. Um, I want to start kind of back even before that a little bit and talk about the project sort of more broadly. Sure. Can we start first? So I'm... Uh, Listeners are not going to be surprised to hear that because I know that you are also from Jersey. That's the first thing I'm going to want to talk about. I have to get it out of the way. I'm so Yeah, we got to. You're from a really interesting part of Jersey, though. Um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit about where, you're, where you got the name from the Lower Etna? And for folks who aren't from the area, what's so... Uh, sort of like significant about where you're from totally yeah ha happy to do it uh i'm always happy to talk about my my very charming and very weird hometown <laughs> hell yeah uh so i was raised in a town called medford lakes uh it's in berlin county so like south jersey um if you don't know medford lakes and the vast majority of people don't uh <laughs> it's very small there it's i think the town is maybe like 1.2 square miles um but it uh has a very large concentration of log cabins. I grew up in a like a two bedroom, one bath log cabin and there are lakes, like the town is packed with lakes. Like it's mostly water surface area wise. Um, so uh, it was a really like kind of magical, charming, sheltered place to grow up. It's in the Pine Barrens and everyone's really friendly. Uh, there's like a summer day camp that people go to. It's, it's like, it's it's frankly like it's a very ridiculous place to grow up like you it's not the real world whatsoever and like when you're a teenager you of course go through this sort of like oh like i can't wait to i can't wait to get out of my hometown to show this people what i'm made of and then like you get to a certain point i mean i can't speak for everybody but you get to a certain point you're like oh my god like i had it so good when i was a kid this is like a whimsical fairy tale sort of childhood situation so that's where i grew up uh it's Medford lakes new jersey uh, it's a great place. The the big lake in the town, it's called Beach One, uh, but the lake itself <laughs> is Lower Etna Lake. Um, and so I named the project after that because I started this project really needing a place to feel like safe and um, able to express myself and not judge myself and just try new things and retreat to and be reminded of sort of the roots of who I am and all those sort of nice little artisty things that uh, <laughs> I think we all kind of need. So I named the project that as sort of a permanent reminder to me, like that's what this is for. That's what this project's for. That's what this music is for. Um, just try to get back to the roots of who I am and feel comfortable and safe being there. I think that a lot of people think of New Jersey in general as North Jersey, and I have long Definitely. been a champion of how beautiful parts of Jersey can be, South Jersey especially. And Medford Lakes in particular, just from as you've described it, I think people can get a good idea that it is like if you take the Jersey stereotype and then completely reverse it, like everything yeah. that's opposite is, is Medford Lakes. It's it's fascinating. And it's such a yeah, I don't know. I just really wanted to uh, to hear your take on that. I don't think I I know anybody else who grew up in, in Medford Lakes. So 
I know a bunch I can introduce you to. Um, but yeah, I almost feel it's it's. Uh, I can't stress enough that like when you're a kid, you you know that it's different. Like you're because people talk about the town like it's special, you know, mm -hmm. like um, that the adults do. But because you're still like a little kid, you haven't been to other places, so you have right, nothing. Right. You, have, you have nothing to compare it to. And uh, yeah, looking back, like it is astonishing how like well preserved the whole attitude of the town is like it's it's very beachy and mm -hmm. chill the there's like adult volleyball beach volleyball <laughs> leagues and like i'm trying to think i i have a like a a bronze like a shield that i got when i finished camp and it's decorated and all it's just a very it's just very charming and and very like folksy uh very the opposite like if you, yeah it's it's the polar opposite in north jersey uh mm -hmm. which i love i love north i mean i love new jersey so n no shade but um yeah it's just a very charming woodland fairy tale of a place to live <laughs> it's amazing yeah um and i think that's a a kind of i i'd say a pretty good segue too to actually getting into the the music itself because mm. i think you've got an an album that really kind of talks about what happens when that kind of like almost like idyllic childhood is broken right or kind of like poisoned almost do you want to tell folks a little bit about the the album waiting for god to turn on the lights more broadly and then we'll get into the songs or yes i would love cool. to do that uh it's definitely a project that requires a little bit of context um so yeah wait if you got to turn on the lights is uh the debut record from this new project uh it's most of what I've done this year, and I'm really excited that it's finally out in the world. The shortest way to put it is that it's a concept album about a family who's like a typical suburban family. The family in the record is from like the Philly suburbs. Um, it's about a typical suburban family whose mom uh, just gets really swept up in the online conspiracy theory known as QAnon. Um, I'm I don't want to explain QAnon that much, but I also don't want to tell people to Google it. So if you're unfamiliar with QAnon, it's it's a very online conspiracy theory uh, that kind of swept corners of the internet from like 2017, 2018. Um, it's said a lot of things over the years, all of which are pretty deranged, like very deranged, <laughs> I would say, um, and is uh, like probably the predominant conspiracy theory. It's kind of an all-encompassing conspiracy theory, like whatever whatever crazy conspiracy theory people might believe, like there's probably a flank of QAnon that supports mm -hmm. it or, or entertains it. Um, and it, uh, you know, I would say the the base of people who are QAnon adherents are almost like certainly older baby boomers mm -hmm. who spend uh, too much time in political Facebook uh, <laughs> or maybe in darker places than Facebook, like HN or I guess it's Kuhn now, that, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, uh, the record is about what happens when that kind of internet poison seeps into like a just a regular family, basically. Mm -hmm. You said you know it. It's kind of like um, QAnon in particular is a really fascinating like to call it a conspiracy theory. Like you said, there are so many almost like branches of it, which I think is what makes it so distinct from other weird conspiracy theories yeah because it is so all-encompassing and it's so easy for it to kind of like wrap its arms around just sort of like any person especially like you said from that generation in particular i think who are going to be susceptible to it even a little bit yeah uh, it's, it's pretty poisonous in that way i think it's um it started out very specific like it started out basically believing 
or, or you know, purporting that uh, there's a cabal of elite, mostly Democrats, who feast on the adrenochrome of children to maintain their youth. Uh, and that Robert Mueller is working with Donald Trump to expose them. Like, that's how it started in, like, 2017, 2018. And since then, it's sprawled. It's, like, more of a spiritual, attitudinal... Um, yeah. Thing now, it's 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 no it's nowhere near as specific as that because obviously all that has either been disproved or is obviously ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Imagine though, I mean, this is maybe more for our listeners because I get the impression from the album and and from talking to you this a little bit that you probably have imagined it. How, if you really were somebody who was going to believe that early on, how frightening that must have been to to really believe that that was that that was happening behind closed doors. I. I, I can imagine that if you're somebody who, again, is susceptible to this kind of thing, that it would could very easily consume you. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, we'll probably get to this on Patriots when we talk about Patriots. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's a big country, and there's hundreds of millions of people in it, and it only takes a few to really fervently believe something, and then it takes a few of that few to take action based on it. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, and again, I, I think we'll probably talk about this, but I wanted to, I didn't want to make a record about politics. I wanted to make a record about families. Mm-hmm. Um, so QAnon is, and conspiracy theories in general, they're a way into talking about families and the internet and kind of, there's a lot about aging on this record and getting older, mm-hmm. watching your folks get older. Uh, that's really, I think, what I'm trying to do on this record. And QAnon was just... Um, I think an interesting way into it. Absolutely. I don't remember if we talked about this on mic or not, but when we covered QAnon moms specifically, um, my, my co-host and I, Jen, were talking about that, that fact in general, that like, even if this isn't something you've experienced directly, there are still so many themes and, and feelings and, and stuff in this, in this album that, that I can't, I, I can't imagine that you don't have some sort of experience with as a listener. So it's, it's really easy to connect with this album, I think, no matter what. And that being said, we should listen to a song so we can connect with this album, huh? Let's do it. All right, let's start with um, I'm Ready If You're Ready. It's the opening track. If we make it to Miami, can you promise you'll get clean? I hear the oxy in the kitchen. I hit the booze and tubes of sunscreen If we drive down from Philly We can drive the overseas But there's a mansion by the water But there's a poison on 
was the first song that I wrote for the record. The record was actually the track list on the record is the order in which the record was written. Um, and it's also the order in which the story kind of evolves more or less. Um, but uh, what to say about this? Uh, some of the first lines of the uh, song are lines that I had had for a while for a song and wanted to use. Um, and it felt, uh, if we make it to Miami, will you promise you'll get clean? Um, is I think a thing that someone, like a friend of mine uh, said about someone that they know to me and I, maybe not verbatim, but I was just like, wow, that's like a very high stakes sentence. Yeah. Uh, like it just immediately kind of pulls you into what's going on. And I wanted this song to convey the gravity, right? So, so I'm ready. If you're ready is written from the dad's perspective. The narrator jumps around throughout the, throughout mm -hmm. the record. So the next song we're going to do is written from the mom's perspective. But um, this song's written from the dad's perspective. And in a lot of ways it's him, it's him talking to his wife before they go on a trip to Florida and uh, she doesn't know it, but he does, you know, the trip to Florida is going to be his attempt to save their marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is something that gets addressed later on the record. And this, I I wanted to start the record in a way that felt, that made clear what this man is feeling right now. And um, basically he's saying, um, I want to do this. I want to try to save this. Uh, but if if it's too late, uh, I'm ready if you're ready to just call it. Like he is, all, we start the record with him pretty much totally out of gas. And knowing that uh, even though he doesn't, maybe want to accept that he might have lost this battle already he knows he might have already lost this battle that's a really interesting place to start a story like this there you know if you're thinking about this in a more like traditional straightforward sense this would be like three quarters of the way through right you'd sure. see all the strife you'd see everything unfold um and then th this would be the last whatever of the of the movie till they get to the end and and we see what happens right but um but I like that this kind of starts with the stakes really high. Um, it's also, it's such a um, kind of like, it's one of my favorite words for this podcast, plaintive, quiet, but it's a really powerful song, I think. Thank you. Did you have, so you said first song you wrote, obviously first song on the album, beginning yeah. of, of this story that you're telling. Did you have the story, just thinking about it from a storyteller's perspective, the narrative, um, written out in your head at least first song to last song before you sat down to actually write them or no no that's actually that's a i've never thought about that no i didn't i i the i had the story kind of came to me as i wrote the record there are bumpy moments like they're they're like one of the songs that we're not going to talk about today um is called just let me know mm -hmm. and that was one where i was like i'm stumped and then i eventually figured out what i needed to do and i pulled some old chords together that i've been messing around oh. with and, and but <laughs> yeah no this um the story came as I wrote the record um, I do a little bit of screenwriting and I would mm -hmm. never write a screenplay that way <laughs> I would I would always some some writers do which is amazing to me uh -huh. um, but I would always outline a screenplay before writing it always and this for this I just didn't and I think maybe the 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 variable there is the music it mm -hmm. took me this record to yeah it took me this record to really understand like how big of an arsenal music is for storytelling yeah. um i wrote the uh, the record was written in almost entirely on an acoustic guitar mm. um and then shaped with like production and exploring different sounds and uh, you know tempos and uh time signatures and all these things and i realized making this record i realized like just how much you can do with music to convey a story or uh, an emotion or a feeling 
Um, and that was something that I learned along the way. So I think that that probably pulled the story along. Like the, the, as I, as I worked on it, it kind of told me where it needed to go, I think. It's interesting now that you say that you do some screenwriting too, because it seems like you've got to have a kind of confidence in, in your writing, I think, to be able to let things sort of unfold that way. The first song we heard here at Lefta was QAnon Mom, but we did have the whole album. So I listened to QAnon Mom first and uh, kind of fell in love with that and then went back to the beginning of the album. And the the juxtaposition of QAnon Mom, which we'll talk about more obviously, to this one was such a it was so so interesting to me because it was you can feel obviously that they're part of the same album and that the same person wrote them but they're so distinct in in ways that I think are um really important when you think about it as coming from a storyteller's perspective and the being two different voices uh, which I want to talk with you more about, but I want to wait until we actually get into another perspective so we have two sure. people to kind of compare. Yeah, there's one thing I'll say mm -hmm. that I think kind of crystallizes my thoughts on this song and, and why why I like it, why I think it, why I like it as the, the record opener too, is the whole theory of this song and a lot of the theory of the record um, is basically like, isn't it scary to watch someone you love get really, really excited about something that you know is awful? Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if this song accomplishes that, but I at least wanted to kind of convey that, that this is what, this is what the dad and the family is struggling with and realizing it as, and by the time we get the song is pretty much already realized, but yeah, isn't it, isn't it scary to watch someone that you love and care about get really excited about something really bad? And that's where I thought it should start. So that's yeah. why it starts with, I'm ready if you're ready. When you boil it down that way, that is a really, I mean, it's, it's frightening no matter which way you slice it, but that it can just kind of, like you said, be crystallized in that really kind of particular way is... Uh, if we're speaking of really bad things, let's maybe do Dallas. <laughs> that's a that's a, a perfect segue. Following a man from Federal Way He reads the numbers, tells us what they say And they say tonight We're going to Dallas And they say tonight Take Dallas And I can't turn back 
drumming. Uh, Rich Straub is a friend of mine uh, who uh, did all the drums on this record. Uh, I think he's an amazing drummer. He's a great guy, too. And I think the drumming on this particular song just makes it feel really big, uh, yes. which is, uh, I thought it needed to. Uh, you know, so this is mom's kind of response uh, to um, what dad says, and I'm ready if you're ready. He's basically making this like very wounded, soft voiced plea to save their marriage. And her response is that she's completely enraptured in this like fascist fever dream. Mm -hmm. Um, like she doesn't even really respond to anything he says in the song, right? She just has this complete fever dream about all the stuff that she's been soaking in on the internet. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I thought the song should be big and stadiumy and maybe like overpowering. And, um, I think Rich's drumming is great on that. And, uh, um, another fellow named Rich. Uh, Richie Devon, uh, who mixed the record, I think also did a phenomenal job with this song, uh, just really like leaning into it. Another fellow named Rich, uh, Richie Devon, uh, who mixed the record, I think brought a lot to this song in that regard. Uh, Kayla, uh, Kayla Ray Malachnik, who is the lead singer of Honey Jar, um, her vocals are on this too. And uh, I think the emotion it adds, I, I wanted just to make a song that feels towering and scary and just conveys the drama of what the mom is experiencing in her life right now. It, and like you said, it's such a, um, I think s s stark isn't really the word that I want because this song isn't stark, but in contrast to that really, like you said, wounded and like I said, plaintive kind of plea from the father that is so overpowering. You kind of, you know, there's no, there's no hope, right? If she's not, if that doesn't, like there's that, that sort of like softness isn't breaking through something that's this intense, I don't think. Totally. Yeah. He starts the record by saying, like, I'd really like to save our marriage. But I'm afraid it might be too late. And she's saying, mm -hmm. I'm fantasizing about, like, starving Hillary Clinton of her adrenochrome. Jesus. Right. They're not even on the same planet. Right. They're exactly. not even they're nowhere near having the same conversation, mm -hmm. um, which, yeah, to kind of go back to what we were saying earlier, like knowing that someone you love is really excited about something really bad. Mm -hmm. What do you do about that? And just that you know this the the chorus here my husband let me find one uh right here beside me my children call every night they all say i'm sorry they all say you're right is this like the the feeling that like on the outside you know whatever whatever that she's stuck in is is like you said really bad and and completely false and there's no merit but she believes it so strongly and and believes that eventually she'll be proven right is that kind of righteousness i think can take totally. you really far in a really scary way yeah definitely and um I'm glad that you pointed out those lines because that's what that's what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so much of the so there's this great podcast uh, called QAnon Anonymous, uh, which uh, it, it's phenomenal. It's the podcast that got me into podcasts, and it's um, three hosts, and they have some other folks uh, who they've just been covering QAnon since like the early early days. Um, could not have written the record without it. I didn't listen to it to write the record. I'd been listening to it for years before I wrote right. it, but it's an amazing podcast. They're funny and smart. Uh, I, I think the world of the host of that podcast. And um, one, one thing that they've pointed out is like how much, how much the motivation behind QAnon, the belief in QAnon, at least the motivation behind the belief in it is like a desire to feel community and to mm -hmm. prove the, that, you know, your, you know, your, your, your older daughter who, got in a fight with you last Thanksgiving to prove her wrong, you know, and that you mm -hmm. are actually right. And um, that's why this song, I think it is this fever dream. Like it's this mom, it's mom's fantasy. Um, the first, uh, the first chorus uh, 
is about the Rolling Stones and Elvis. I was like that's ask what the, you about that. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's a, a specific thing. The, the the all right. I will. This is all going to sound outrageous because it is. But there's an <laughs> offshoot of there's an offshoot of QAnon uh, who believe that uh, JFK Jr., uh, the son of the president John F. Kennedy, um, they believe that he is still alive. He died in a plane crash in, I think, like, 1999. Uh, they think he's still alive, and in 2020, they thought that he was going to, like, emerge in Dallas, Texas, and become Donald Trump's running mate, or maybe become the president. Like, it's unclear. They, have, they all have different theories, but they're like, he's still alive, and he's going to be in charge. Like, they were just, a lot of them, not a lot of QAnon people thought that, but a lot of them did. So they descended on Dallas, waiting for him to, like, emerge. Um, and, uh, Obviously, he did not emerge. Uh, but while <laughs> while they were there, um, a lot of them went to like the Rolling Stones concert. And when they were there at the Stones concert, they got convinced. Like they were like hyping themselves up online afterwards, being like, you know, Mick Jagger can't dance like that. That was Michael Jackson. And did you see the keyboard player? It was Elvis. Like just being like, all the things that I love, I don't right. actually have to give up. None of them are yeah. gone. Uh, it's God. so like I said, it's a fantasy. It's like a nostalgic fascist fantasy about what they want. They just want it all back. And um, that's what that's what this song is. It's this like just really scary, but fully committed fantasy on the behalf of the mom that she's never wrong. And all the things she's always loved, she still has. And you're all going to see. That's so heartbreaking. I hadn't heard that that story in particular i followed along with this you know with with QAnon a little bit i think more than the like general population but not so much that i've i've heard that and that it's i think like the the people the like people at this sort of level of involvement with this kind of conspiracy and i know you said like this isn't really an album about that and it's just the way through but um it is such a like exercise i think in empathy to like think about the people who do get swept up in this who aren't really trying because there are people deeper into this and and people who have a little more power I think who are being particularly and purposefully nefarious and then there are people like this mom who you're talking about who it's like it's really kind of sad and heartbreaking to to think about them getting swept up in something like this and that story in particular is a really um like uh, poignant I don't know I don't know that's not exactly the word I want but way of of, of, sh of showing that I don't know yeah I, I think we'll, and we'll talk about this later but there's a line in Patriots um, where it's it, it, she says uh, the kids laugh left and after it all was a disaster um, right like it's a mom is having a like a loss of meaning and purpose in her life mm -hmm. and she is looking to fill that however she can um and this is where she ends up. And like, you you know, people could end up in lots of places. They don't have to end up in online conspiracy theories. Like, a, let's, right. let's be honest, like a pretty, s a pretty small minority actually do go down <laughs> these sorts of rabbit holes. Um, but yeah, mom is basically just a person uh, who's trying to fill the void left by the fact that her identity for, you know, 20 years as a mother, like raising children, like that that's been yeah. compromised or just eliminated now. And she's, who, who am I now? What am I living for? Um, and this is where she ends up. Um, I will say, I'll say this too. Yeah, I do think that overall the record is about, or at least I, I'm trying to write about like families and aging and, you know, kind of getting older, watching your parents age. And 
Um, but the songs that are written from the mom's perspective, they are, you know, they are about the conspiratorial stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I uh, they were fun to write because it's really wild, you know, topics and concepts to write <laughs> about. It's not uh, exactly what you find in most songs. They were fun to write, but um, I thought that the record should have them uh, because mass online radicalization is like a very new, very real thing. Like that even... I don't know, like seven years ago, just wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. Like the idea that mm -hmm. your your grandma is going to get red pilled <laughs> on Facebook, you know, and believe that I don't know, uh, whatever they believe about like Hunter Biden and Ukraine or whatever. Right. Like that, like that's just like your entire life. That wasn't something you had to think about. And like now, a lot of people have to think about that. They have to be like, is is the are the people I love spending too much time and entertaining dangerous nonsense on the internet? Um, and I thought at least having these songs would put those concepts front and center so we could maybe like know what they are and talk about them a little bit. Like not only is this the first time we've had to think about something like that, but it's also like, even I don't care what your relationship with the people who raised you is or was up until this last, like, like you, I don't know. I'll, I'll say like 15, maybe 20 years that, there was never really a time where the younger people ended up in a place of having to teach the older people. Mm, <laughs> like yeah. even as, even as it's like, Oh, kids think they know everything and blah, blah, blah. But like having to explain to my mom, why like everything she reads was she, I'll be like, where did you, where did you hear that? And she's like, I Googled it. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like anybody can say anything there. And it's, it's just such a, that kind of role reversal is so, um, so much more amplified now. Think. Totally. Uh, it, it's a little ironic to cite a meme, which is what I'm about to do when we're talking about <laughs> online disinformation. But uh, there's some meme. It's it's all. I'm sure it's old now. Uh, but I'll, I'll never forget it because it was maybe one of the first times I thought about this this these topics uh, in a serious way. Uh, it was like you know your parents in the '90s. Uh, you know, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Uh, your parents today, and it's like, did you hear? Uh, that uh, Freedom Eagle 50 says Hillary Clinton invented AIDS. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, something about, there's like something about the internet that mm -hmm. changes how certain people, maybe of a certain age or not, I don't really know, but at least certain people like perceive and interact with information. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't, it's so new, it's very dystopian. I don't think we really know what it is yet or what to do with it. There's been a lot studied about how social media has negative impacts on young people's minds as they develop mm -hmm. and how it perverts the incentives of their social lives and all these things, all that makes a ton of sense to me. Like, it's great that we have that information. We should study it. I personally think that social media are just like cigarettes. Like 50 years from now, we're going to be like, <laughs> it was cool. It was addictive. Everyone was doing it. And now we absolutely know better. Like, I think it's bad. Uh, I do. I think it's really bad. I think overall it is bad. But um, we don't, I, again, for all the effort that's been made to entertain how it impacts kids i don't know i just don't know if we've taken anywhere near that approach like how does it impact like adults how does it impact yeah. if you're 72 years old and you're spending you know a bunch of time on facebook or other even shadier places what does that do what does that do to your sense of reality i mean i'm not yeah it's it, it's weird and new and i don't think we have answers to it yet yeah well and especially because they they whatever i'm, I'm trying not to paint with too broad a brush but even like you know we all know that it doesn't matter what sort of news outlet you read or, or it, before the internet, let's say there's still a bias, right? But you could at least trust that the people putting the information out there had some sort of like expertise and some awareness of their audience and like, and like there's, 
there's just so much more thought that went into it, even if you didn't agree with that thought, right? And it's like, and so then people consuming it, you could be like, well, at least the information I'm getting, even if it is biased, it at least is based in some sort of reality and has been vetted by a handful of people in some way. And so if you grew up with that understanding, like having to shift that so radically, I think it would probably be pretty difficult. I think people in you know, I don't I don't know exactly how old you are, but obviously we're closer in age than either of us to anybody's grandparents. Sure. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. so like um so so I think that that's something that is just very different from from folks older than us. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, like I said, it, it all it's all super new. It's all really, really new. And I don't I, again, I don't know the numbers, but. I got to believe, like, I don't know, one in six families, one in four, I don't know, some high number of American families probably either have a parent or grandparent or they know a family that has a parent or grandparent who are dealing with something like this, some sort of online radicalization where, you know, someone they know and love, like, has changed and embraced a bunch of stuff that's not true. Uh, And maybe, and you know, how dangerous that information that they embrace is, like, that varies, right? It's like one thing to entertain like one to think the moon landing was faked, for example. And it's another <laughs> thing to think that like, you know, that Hillary Clinton eats babies. Like it's, comp- they're just totally did. So, so, but I, I got to think that like a lot, a sizable number of families in this country are like dealing with that. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, I want to talk about it. <laughs> I think we have to talk <laughs> about it because I don't think we know what to do about it at all. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Let's, um, let's talk about this. Let's talk about voicemail from dad. Sounds great. I know it's getting harder to take her calls I understand if you can't answer Remember back when you were young I'd break out the acoustic And you'd dance to Tiny Dancer
song um i think is probably the one that made me go okay i've got to do a record mm. um we took sort of a a break with honey jar and i love honey jar i'm best friends with everyone in that band like it's, it's a great thing but we, we took kind of a break and i wasn't i was not exactly like shopping for like i gotta start a new band i gotta get back after i start playing i was like yeah you know um it's all good and by the time after writing this song i was kind of like okay i think i'm getting to know these characters and i think i'm getting to understand what they're going through and i think that pulling on this thread will be worth all of the work that making an uh, making a full record necessitates mm. um uh yeah this song um has like actual quotes from my dad in it uh-huh. uh uh some advice that he's given me mm-hmm. and um uh yeah it was um i had never written a song like it before i knew i, I knew that i wanted there to be a drum machine um which is not a thing for me typically mm-hmm. when i write um and yeah it just felt um in a lot of ways it's what i would want someone to say to me and it's what i would want to say to someone and i just wanted to continue to kind of sculpt the dad's character and show that he has a really good heart even though he's Mm -hmm. in a really really hard spot Mm -hmm. he these i mean all of the characters in this feel very and it's i mean i'll I'll ask you more about this. It, I, it seems like it would be something that would be very difficult to do when you're one person writing, you know, yeah, this handful of voices and, and each one has their own couple of songs and, but they all feel very real and very lived in. And I think the dad, especially, and I wonder if that's because like you said, you, you know, some of this comes right from your dad, but some of the stuff he says just feels very, very real and very dad in a way that is like, <laughs> it makes, it's like, become very um endeared i think very quickly uh with his character in particular i think i think he might have the most songs on the record i think he has four okay i think so it's that probably yeah i think it's four for dad three for mom and then the kids each get one and then coming home which is the last song is kind of an open question as to whose song it is um interesting yeah but i think that's the breakdown yeah i think with this song too like i wanted to really I think this is the song too where I really embraced like earnestness mm-hmm. and just letting myself write, tr- trying to let myself write the way that I think families actually talk to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, as a lyricist, if, if you've read any music criticism, if you're a lyricist, you're terrified of writing <laughs> like schlocky or mm-hmm. goopy lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for other people. I'll speak for myself. I'm terrified of that, especially because uh, uh, Brandon Flowers from The Killers is like a huge influence <laughs> on me, and he's been pilloried for decades at this point uh-huh. for writing like way too goopy, uh, earnest, you know, schmaltzy lyrics. And I, I love him for it. I don't hold that against him, but a lot of people do. Um, and uh, yeah, I think with this song, I was like, if I'm gonna tell this story, I think I have to tell it the way that like people actually talk to one another. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't go, I can't try to, I don't know, maybe this is me making excuses for myself, but I can't, I can't <laughs> max out the poetry, you know? Yeah. I gotta, I, I think this song needs to be written the way that like a dad would actually try to talk to his son. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's, what were the words you used? Goopy? 
Yeah, goopy, schlocky. Schlocky? I I love that. I'm just like running through the catalog of, I'm not as big a uh, Brenda Flowers fan, but there, I mean, there are a handful of songs that just, they're total, total tangent. I'm so sorry. This is. That's okay. I have an. Yeah, good. It's ADHD hour with Andrea. I'm so sorry. But just the phrase, uh, I think it's. is it with magic soaking my spine in, in, <laughs> in, read, my in mind. read my mind? Yeah, it's. I, I just. I think that's like one of the most uh, beautiful striking collections of of words. Just the rest of that song aside, I don't know. Can I, I can I uh, match your tangent with another one? Yeah, absolutely. So so you guys had Franz Nikolai on recently. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That episode is so good. Uh, oh, he he was is. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah, there are too many geniuses in the Holt Study. It's 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 not, <laughs> and, and there's not, there's not. I love the Holt Study. Uh, there are not too many geniuses. Yeah. There are exactly the right amount. But it's um, unfair that one band gets all yeah. those brains. <laughs> so since we're talking about lyrics and poetry, and we're having this little tangent, Wandering Star, the lyrics on Wandering Star, the first song on his new record, are some of. I'm telling, I'm like texting people and being like, you have to listen to this. There, it is some of the best writing I've heard in my entire life. It is, um, it is unreal unreal yeah so um and i hadn't i hadn't i had, i knew we had a record coming out but i hadn't heard that song i was like picking up groceries in cherry hill and <laughs> when i was listening to that episode and i had to stop and be like this is it, the song starts beautifully with the music but then when he starts singing it is stunningly gorgeous um i would do anything to be able to write even 10 percent <laughs> like that one day uh but i did i did to tag it to, to to go back i knew that this song and this record couldn't be that level of poetry uh not that i could not that i could do that i could not he's he's a master um but i was like i think i think for voicemail from dad and for light songs i have to just write the way that a dad talks which mm-hmm. is going to be spare on the poetry but like maybe have like a little dadly sort of advice i don't know yeah yeah and then i like the idea of there being a kind of like dad sort of like uh poetry vocabulary though it's like it is it is here it's just dads aren't always poets but there is a poetry to dads (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i feel i feel good with that yeah (laughs) this is the song that um that just now i got a little sidetracked looking something up because you mentioned the thing about um the mom in this story and and the the folks in Dallas being so um, afraid to lose what they had right and these references to the Rolling Stones and Elvis, but then Dad also mentions not just Elton John but this like family memory of of playing Elton or playing Tiny Dancer and, and the child play along, which is another kind of um, looking back and holding on in a kind of nostalgia, and it reminded me of um, I don't know if you're familiar with. Uh, you said you're you're a podcast person, right? So um, not that he's just a podcast person, but John Hodgman, do you know? Yeah, I know John Hodgman, but I don't I don't know I don't know his podcast. Yeah, he's got he's he's done a couple of things. He has one called Judge John Hodgman, but Judge John Hodgman. But specifically, I'm actually referencing a book of his called Vacation Land, um, and he he says this thing that I before I stopped to think about it, I want to disagree with, but. Uh, anyway, I don't disagree with it. I agree with it wholeheartedly, and I think you will too. Maybe I shouldn't put that uh, expectation on you. Feel free to say you don't agree. <laughs> um, I'm, but, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, what's, what's going to happen? Uh, normally, I consider nostalgia to be a toxic impulse. It is the twinned yearning delusion that A, the past was better, and then in parentheses he says it wasn't, and B, it can be recaptured. It can't. That leads, at best, to bad art, movie versions of old TV shows, and sad dads watching Fox News. 
At worst, it leads to revisionist extremist politics, fundamentalist terrorism, and the victory in Appalachia in particular of a narcissist Manhattan cartoon maybe millionaire and cramped up city creep who, if he ever did go up to Rocky Top in real life, would never come down again. <laughs> um... Yeah, first of all, that's I mean that's brilliantly written. There's so much there's so much there. Yeah. I, I think in it's general It's the A and B I, yeah. for me that yeah. Yeah, I think in general I agree with that. Um uh I'll I'll maybe temper it a little bit and say like, well, I think that that's almost certainly more right than wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh like almost certainly. Um ha- uh how many people interact with nostalgia that way, right? Like nostalgia sells wildly. Uh, so e- even if we were to stipulate that that's right, no, hardly anyone engages with art with that knowledge. And like the friction from that, that's where the tension is and the interesting stuff. Like that's where people, that's, you know, so that's how people end up pretending that they're seeing Elvis playing the keys. <laughs> Obviously in a very extreme, extreme version of that. Um, yeah, it's a fascinating quote. Again, I think it's definitely more right than wrong. I think it's probably just straight up right. Um, but what do you do about the fact that okay it's right that nostalgia is poisonous and leads to bad art <laughs> and yet is selling more art right now uh, than anything else right and 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 i say that and i'm a sucker for it too though because like all i want to talk about are covers of my favorite songs and yeah you know which reboot i am or, or even if it's one that i'm not interested that i'm like not a fan of I still want to engage with why I don't like it like it's still uh, and maybe there's something to this too like it, uh, maybe broadly defining the past right like that's where the poison might be because mm-hmm. I think it's totally mm-hmm. valid to say if it's your opinion that like rock and roll was better in the 70s than it is today like I, I'm not going to tell you that that opinion is poisonous right, right like right. I think that's totally you know and you can totally say like I music was better in the 80s like that's a totally valid opinion to have that someone can have uh, and it not be like inherently destructive, right. uh, but when it becomes like a larger, grander scale thing, like a like a constant yearning for the hallowed days that have mm-hmm. long since gone. Back when I felt respected, basically right, is what right. a lot of it means. Yeah, that's where it, that's I think where the poison probably is. But like I don't think there's something like there's something wrong with enjoying Stranger Things, right? Like it's, <laughs> right, it's right, an eighties exactly. nostalgia piece, but like it's good, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Do you have a sense for the the parents in this? Why? Because they're they they're both living a world where their kids kind of have recently left, and they are kind of doing this on their own. A sense as to why the mom was more swept up by all of this than than the father. Uh, I the record proposes some ideas, um, but I think that that's more of an open question than an answer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it about someone that might make them susceptible or uh yeah susceptible to coping with a loss of meaning and purpose in their life by indulging in online conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. what is it like i I genuinely don't know and i don't know that i could ever know for sure um is it a psychological thing is there something uh um uh, is it like i don't know like a genetic thing i have no idea um i it is clear to me that like i think people need a sense of meaning and belonging in their life. Like they need to feel like their time and their days are spent doing something good. (laughs) That's like contributing to like the furtherance of maybe their values or what they believe in. And to me, like a mom who's devoted 20 years or more to, to raising kids and then suddenly 
and, and like, you know, succeeds basically. Like the kids go to right. school and then maybe they get jobs and they move to the city or something. Suddenly her day to day and her concept of who she is, like her, her core identity um, has been like challenged and potentially erased, right? Like at a minimum, she's going to have a transition period where she's going to have to come to understand like her identity as a mom is different now than what it was for the past two decades of her life. And, you know, hopefully she gets to a point, I think, I think most moms do, they get to a point where they say, oh, like I have a new role, like my children are older, you know, and then when, you know, if they have grandkids, there's yet another role where it's the, the grandparent, right? Um, but those transitions are, can be bumpy or catastrophic. Um, and what makes someone predisposed to have like a catastrophic transition? I don't, I don't really know. I don't know. Yeah, but it I happens. Guess if we, yeah. I guess if we did know, we, it would happen less often. You know, if you could kind of see it coming, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's other stuff here too, right? Like um, in I'm Ready and If You're Ready and in Patriots, um, it, 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 they talk about um, mom has an oxy problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's 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 briefly mentioned because I didn't want to write a song about drug or a record about drug addiction. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of introduced that idea and play with it a little bit. Because I think that there are certain psychological predispositions, right? Like being convinced of an online conspiracy theory, like to a point where you're fervent about it, like you fly to Dallas, you're, mm-hmm. you're militant about it. Um, that psychologically has something in, co- like there's an obsessiveness or an addictive quality to yeah. it. And again, I'm not a psychologist and I don't want to pretend to play one. This is your, these are all questions for me. Like I'm a writer, right? Yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to like just interrogate these questions. Um, and I don't want to pretend that I have the answers, but no. there's a compulsiveness or a intensity that some people are just more given to. Yeah. And I don't, here I go. I, I know even less than you do, but I'd be curious to see sort of like what parts light up in a person's brain and what sort of chemicals get released when they're reading about and engaging with um, those online conspiracies in particular. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I don't, I don't at all mean to like liken, um, yeah, no. a, a, a dick, right? Yeah, a, a I, I don't to, think anybody is hearing that, so I wouldn't yeah. worry about that. Yeah, but there's those ideas. It's, it's it's we're talking about questions of human psychology. I think that I just I have I have no idea what the answers are to, but I think we have to talk about. Them. Yeah, well, and this is stuff that like we don't have a real like precedent for. This, like you said, this is also new, and it, conspiracy theories obviously aren't aren't new but this kind of conspiracy theory at this level and that can be as pervasive and um you know sort of like show up in so many different ways i think is new yeah it's mass online radicalization brand Mm -hmm. new thing brand new thing impacts millions (laughs) of families and no one knows what to do about it jesus um (laughs) QAnon mom do you think that's (laughs) yeah i think that's it's time for that, right? Let's do it. Uh, this one's always a little bit more fun.
little bit of a bop, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hags. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Tell us, tell us every everything. I mentioned that Brandon Flowers is a big influence on me. Um, I wanted to write like a big, a big stadium rock song. Uh, like that's <laughs> I really wanted to do that. And again, like the the record, the track list of the record is the order the songs were written. And so I'm a little, I'm I'm writing the sixth song at this point. And I'm I'm just like I think we need to have some fun at this point. This we need a song that rocks that has a uh, solo uh, blows off a little steam. They need sort of like a pressure release. And I thought that made it like the right time to go to the sun's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the origin story for this song is I thought QAnon like the phrase QAnon mom came into my head, and I was like, oh, that has like a catchy quality to it, and. Um, I Googled it and I came across like a TikTok. I don't have TikTok, but I can't, sometimes they show up in like Google search results. And I, it was a TikTok where it was a kid, maybe, I don't know, I, maybe he was like middle school, maybe high school, I don't really remember. But he was like kind of roasting his mom for sending him like QAnon uh-huh. content. Like he, it was like, I, it, it was something along the lines of him saying like law when your mom's in QAnon. And then him showing like a lot of the, you know, her telling him to take the mask off and they're controlling him and all this kind of stuff. And I remember that moment thinking it was like really funny. Like I was like, oh, like I, like the kids are all right, kind of. Like this guy mm-hmm. gets it. Like this guy yeah. totally sees through the BS and knows exactly what's going on here. But I was also really depressed by it. I was like, well, mm-hmm. oh God, this is, let's say that, I don't, I don't remember how old he was. I couldn't, I couldn't tell, but like, let's just say he's 14, right? Like you shouldn't be 14 years old and having to like adjudicate yeah the information that your own mom's sending you about what is real and what isn't real. Like that's horrifying. Um, so for this, I, you know, I knew that I wanted the kids to be older. Um, so I, for this song, I was just like, what would it be like to be like, I don't know, like a typical, like, I don't know, like 19, 20, 21 year old guy, uh, just like trying to do normal 19, 20, 21 year old guy (laughs) things. Just like the, pretty stock basic stuff that we all do when we're that age while also knowing in the back of your mind like uh my mom is not tethered to reality anymore and um yeah i thought for like a like a guy in college where he's not home all the time you know or maybe uh i I actually this song makes it clear that he's he's not in college um but you know he's out kind of living his life maybe trying to get a job or or even just like hang out with friends and meet girls like Mm -hmm it would be a hassle, <laughs> right? Like it just that guy, that like that like 20 year old kind of like trying to start his life thing. It wouldn't be like the dad is obviously, this is his, his wife and mm. he's watching her fall in love with something that is very destructive. But for like the 21 year old son, I think it'd be like eye roll inducing, you yeah. know, it'd be like irritating. And, and so that, that's what I tried to, to get after in this song. It's one of those things where you, you just said it that like, we get we get from the the dad's point of view and it's very real and it's he knows think about it's really hard especially i think until you get i don't know maybe i I don't want to be dismissive of younger people i was one once but it can be really hard to think of your parents as like fully uh realized individuals outside of their relationship with you when you're younger the way that like we are surprised when we see teachers outside of school to think of your parents as being something other than your parents totally is is can be really hard in a way that that's not the same for your your spouse right like her husband knows her as a as the full person that that she is so this probably is much more terrifying 
and and he has a different kind of responsibility I would think feeling so I think that totally makes sense that that this is the the song that has a little more um just like attitude baby to it you know in a way yeah right you, you, it, it's like to the point that you just made about like you know not necessarily having like a full cons- concept of your parents as like full people mm-hmm. what if like some of the first tastes you got of your parents as a full person was like QAnon <laughs> right. right like you're at an age where you're starting to really like understand and appreciate that your mom isn't just your mom she's a whole person like a whole mm-hmm. complex person whose brain is just as complex as yours and who has her own internal life and story and, and all these things and the first glimpse that you're really starting to notice of that is like oh she believes in this like absolutely deranged conspiracy theory mm-hmm. um i think some yeah uh, depending on where you are in life at a minimum it would be like really irritating and you'd be like <laughs> oh this is it'd be like disappointing right it'd yeah. Be, it'd, yeah so um among uh, you know among other things but especially if you're preoccupied with all like the stuff that a 20 year old guy's preoccupied with of just like mm-hmm. you know hanging out with his friends and drinking beer and partying like mm-hmm. uh it would be yeah it'd be like a hassle it'd be i can't <laughs> yeah. I, almost like i can't believe that this is what i'm dealing with mm-hmm. um so i tried to tried to try to have that come through and yeah yeah there are i, I wanted to ask you um there are two lines in this song though that i think sort of betray that idea a little bit or at least extend it maybe it's that there's a terror when I lay my head down at night oh god oh god what if she's right as just this like little uh kind of like uh pop-up I feel like in the back of the son's head right um and I just wanted to hear your thoughts on on including that yeah sure um so one I included it because wouldn't it be terrifying if the QAnon (laughs) people were right right like yeah I, I, I guess I'll say this about that like they there is such a militancy to their belief. It is a spiritual, pseudo-religious adherence to things that, to your average person, are just obviously, like, nonsense. And not, like, on their face, not even remotely close to worth entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, you know, they believe it with such a fervency and such a certainty that if you if you are encountering that a lot, like the sun might be, it might pop into your head like, does she know something I don't? Like, right, she is right. older than me. She is my mom, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, you know, is she, not like, is she onto something here? Not that, but just like, what if she's right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't, he does not get Q-pilled. Like, this is right, not the right. song where that yeah. happens. Um, but there is something to like the, the intensity with which they believe it that, you know, might make someone who's really close to it, to someone who's, involved in QAnon pause for a second and be you know consider like is there something that they don't know or that they know that I don't know and um god isn't that horrifying wouldn't that be just horrifying um right like a huge part of QAnon is the belief that there were going to be public hangings at Gitmo at Guantanamo Bay and like this makes the QAnon adherents like very excited right like they Mm -hmm. they that is a they call it the storm Right there, it's very the storm is coming. It's very exciting them, and to most people, they'd be like, "That's awful. Mm-hmm. That, that is awful." Yeah. Um, I don't fantasize about that. You, no right. one should. It's very obvious that no one of a healthy mindset should fantasize about mm-hmm. that. And um, 
yeah, wouldn't it be terrifying? So, you know, trying to write from the, the character's perspective, this is like a 20-year-old guy who is probably not all that familiar with what is in QAnon. Uh, mm -hmm. He just knows that his mom really, really believes in it and that it sounds really, really scary. Um, yeah. So that's that's why, I, that's why I put those lines there. I hadn't thought about until you said it that, like, since since parents had children like th this what i'm about to say is not new like there's that moment that people talk about as being really pivotal when you realize that your parents are just people and that they don't have all the answers and that you can't just expect them to know everything all the time and usually it's something pretty small i would say or something pretty innocuous at least like i i don't know i, I don't know i can't think of an example right now but to think that like I would say that it's like late teens where that might really happen. And for this to be the thing right. that is that's horrifying. I, yep. I agree. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I was not in that situation. I'm, you know, it's, these are characters I'm writing, you know, uh, I'm telling a story here, but um, yeah, I have to imagine that again, just being like a normal doofy 20 year old, 21 year old <laughs> guy, just like trying to, trying to go about your life and figure out who you are and what you want to do and all these things. And kind of learning that your your mom who raised you is not a reliable source of information yeah. right she is maybe not a cr credible assessor of reality <laughs> that would at a minimum be a disappointment and it would yeah. and, and grappling with that would be hard um mm -hmm. so yeah, there's another song on the record called Whatever's Left that we're not going to talk about today, but it's from the daughter's perspective and she it's her talking to the dad and it gets a similar similar theme from a different from a different angle. Um folks, if you haven't listened to the whole we'll we'll do more specific plugs in in just a few minutes, but but I, I should say if you haven't listened to all those other songs yet, you should absolutely do that. Um I mean, finish the episode now. You're already here, but immediately after go pick up the album because it, it really is fantastic and there's there's so much good stuff on on it that uh we're not going to have time to talk about today but that you should definitely be listening to uh something else we should be listening to uh let's talk patriots let's do it the fbi and the cia the msm and jfk i caught a cab down to dc to show this country what it
song is straight up mom does January 6th. <laughs> like that's what this song is. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I thought it was the natural end point for her journey in a lot of ways. Um, and, uh, uh, Kayla, who's, uh, she's the, 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 the female voice that you'll hear all over the record. Uh, I've known her since fourth grade. She's like my best friend. She's the lead singer. She's the lead singer of Honey Jar. So if you've listened to Honey Jar, that's that's Kayla. Uh, she's amazing. Um, yeah, really, really incredible singer. We're, I, I am, like I said, big big fans here. So yes, yes, super. I am super grateful that she's down to make music with me. I think <laughs> she's in, she is incredibly talented. Um, she uh, calls this the uh, the fire up the grills song because it's it's like a big monster truck rally yeah. kind of song. Um, and yeah, I thought that was important, right? Because, you know, I don't know, sort of the obvious thing to do, I think, is to make like a punk rock song about why it's bad, like about why <laughs> January 6th is bad. And like, there's totally space for that. Like that's, that's super yeah, like anti-fascist punk is mm -hmm. super important. Um, and it's great music also, <laughs> like I listen to, <laughs> you know, but uh, this right from the mom's perspective, I was like, I wanted to capture her emotion and like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it felt like a big party <laughs> to the people who were there. Like they, if you know, and it's probably a range of emotions, right? But like the true believers probably thought that they were basically the new Ben Franklin's, yeah. right? Like they were, they were like, Joe Biden stole the election and we're going to take our country back. And this is the new revolutionary war. I'm a patriot. Um, you know, they had fun, right? Like they had fun, yeah. which is wild. It's yeah. crazy. Um, but I thought the song, this is the sort of big moment for mom, right? This is the end of her journey. This is, she's going to go to January 6th and show this country what it needs to see in her opinion. Um, you know, that's that's what this song is, is her just having this like euphoric moment of triumphant on top of the world. Um, I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's more to the song than that by the time you get to the chorus. But but that's 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 how I kind of came at this one. I think euphoric is such a good word to describe this song because there's like a kind of euphoria isn't always a pause like a positive thing right because it's such an extreme sort of feeling um and there's there's like a kind of uh like feeling of like kind of like mania through this song that uh that i think really kind of underlies that that sort of like excitement and and energy but it's a, it's a it's a kind of menacing one yeah it also i i don't know if it's just because i'm i don't know but there are just a few lines in this the first time i heard that made me laugh in a really like fun way not in like a like um the, <laughs> told him to get the fuck ready for rock and roll <laughs> is such a like i just i almost feel like you know what it's almost like good for her at least she's excited about something i don't know <laughs> yeah no I, I totally get that um yeah told my husband i found something special told him to get the fuck ready for rock and roll because i think when a lot of people like that what those two particular lines are about is like it, it is the q pill moment right like it's the moment where she where, whenever it was in the past that she came across QAnon and went like oh my god like my darkest fantasies are actually good and true, right? Yeah. Like I'm gonna get everything I want. My enemies are gonna be punished and I'm going, you know, all those things, which is a huge, I think part of the attraction that a lot of 
people who are involved with QAnon have to it is it's this affirmation that like you're not wrong your children are going to apologize to you and you're <laughs> never going to have to say you're sorry and yeah. you know we're going to have these public hangings at Guantanamo Bay like they Jesus you know Christ. yeah yeah it's awful it's awful it's so it's so so awful um it's dark and it got dark really quickly mm -hmm. um but uh yeah like if you came across like yeah her telling her husband to get the fuck ready for rock and roll is like it's coming baby everything i've ever wanted is coming and you better be ready and uh, you know uh his face has to sink after that it has to be like this yeah. oh my god you i can't believe that this is a something you're excited about i think the last thing that i'll just say about about patriots um is that it was it was really hard from a songwriting standpoint mm. to start to bring mom's journey to a close. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next song. Um, but I tried to think about like someone who has stormed the Capitol and maybe they didn't even do like the worst stuff. Maybe they didn't go in and like defecate on the walls, which <laughs> people actually did. Like maybe they didn't even go in, right? Maybe they didn't participate in any violence. Maybe they were just there to participate. Uh, even that's the case, you know, that night, when it basically like it failed right like uh yeah it failed um that feeling it would be a it would be a mix of this like triumphant like we showed them and also probably like a deep depression mm -hmm. of just like all right well that's it right like like mom's been on this journey that's led to this climactic moment of tribal community right as they storm the halls of congress and mm -hmm. furtherance of the stuff they believe in, not compromising, like not apologizing, accepting no, right? Just, uh, just really having their fantasy moment, and then it just kind of mm -hmm. ends, and yeah. the world moves on. And um, it was, uh, it was tough. It was tough to figure out how to do that in this song. And I, I don't, I feel good about it, you know. But uh, I, it's, if there are other interpretations or reaction to it, I would understand because <laughs> it was really hard to do. It's a story that has, like, just in, in general, outside of the album, it's a story that has a really sort of, like, lackluster ending, right? Like, things, because, like you said, it didn't, they didn't, like, quote-unquote, win. But at the same time, I don't know that any of them walked away feeling like they, like, lost in a way where it was, like, I don't think anybody feels like they were proven wrong either, right? So they still have this agenda that they they think they're right for supporting and being behind but the thing they thought was gonna right. just didn't happen so then what what a where do you go strange, from there yeah what a strange place to be in totally and then your album can't go on forever it eventually has to end and so these stories have to come to some sort of you know uh conclusion in some way um and that's got to be really hard to do so kudos for for doing it <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> thanks yeah. it, was, it was a ton Jeez. of fun and it was yeah it was, <laughs> I, had a, I had a great time making this record like i said we're we've we've really loved it over here i wish uh jen and i especially I, not that kitsy isn't a fan of it it's just they've been on the road so they haven't had as much time to to listen to stuff as the rest of us but jen and i especially are big fans of it so i really she appreciate could it. Not, Thank she you. could not be here tonight so all that being said though we somehow only have one song left um before we get into it though i don't want to rush you into working on anything else but what you got coming up what do you what do you want folks to know where can we find you all that stuff yeah sure um uh so we'll be we're booking shows into 2023 right now around uh philadelphia 
Um, we don't have any announced right now, but we will, I think, relatively soon. Um, uh, our website is www.thelowerAetna.com, and it's A-E-T-N-A, uh, like the insurance company. We're not an insurance company, but it's, that's, <laughs> I, I hate that I have to share that space with them. But uh, yeah, www.thelowerAetna.com uh, for pretty much everything. Uh, funny story, we don't have an Instagram page because when Dallas came out, it got banned. <gasps> So you can't follow the band on Instagram, Whoa. but you but you can follow me on Instagram. That's how I'm doing it now. It's just uh -huh. lo it's lower at Nadillon, D Y L A N, like the folk singer. Lower at Nadillon on Instagram. That's I'm just using that now because yeah, uh, Instagram mistook our uh, anti-conspiracy <laughs> theory rock music for pro-conspiracy theory rock music because uh, the the machines and the bots and the algorithms. Uh, are they decide these things? Uh, yeah, I did everything you're supposed to do. I I sent them videos. I sent them the website. I appealed multiple times and just just no response. It wasn't a particularly large account, you know, because it's a new it's a new project. Right. But uh, yeah, so there is there is no at the That's... lower Etna on Instagram, and there never can be. Uh, That's it's... <laughs> wild. Yep, it is. Uh, so yeah, follow us <laughs> at lower Etna Dylan if you want, uh, and www.lowerAtna.com. Yeah. Very cool. Do you want to plug the Honey Jar shows? You're welcome to if you want. Yes, uh, we're gonna do, so Honey Jar, uh, my other project, we're gonna do some acoustic stuff, uh, some sets here and there. Uh, nothing is announced for that yet, but I think we're just at Honey Jar PHL on Instagram, um, and we'll be announcing stuff there there too. Uh, you're hearing this, this is uh, out after Thanksgiving, so we did just play a little acoustic set at Kung Fu Necktie. Um, and y'all crushed. It was amazing. Yeah, it was totally unless unless something didn't happen. And we didn't play. <laughs> yeah, but, but but yeah, no, we'll be playing some acoustic sets, and I'm really excited for those. Uh, I love that project and all of those songs. Hell yeah, hell yeah, awesome. Um, I'm gonna run through our stuff super fast. I have to do it. I hate to do it. Um, we're at Left of the Dial FM on Instagram and Left of the Dial PC on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes, live sessions, interviews, album reviews. The list goes on at Left of the Dial FM and. Um, Listeners, as usual, you catch me here every week and over at Chris Gethard's New Jersey is the world. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, AQ, Andrea Q. That's everything. So, yeah. Tell us a little bit about the song. I was going to say you chose to go out on, but you kind of, well, I guess you chose to go out on it. It's the song you chose to go out on for your album, at least. Why don't you tell us about Coming Home? Yes. <laughs> there we yeah, go. Definitely, yeah, because I could get really into weird artists and stuff about, like, well, actually, the song chose me. <laughs>
close. Um, you know, I think that this song is written from both of the kids' perspectives. They kind of share it. Um, I think that there could be arguments made for the dad being there. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is the kind of end of mom's journey. This is, uh, yeah, that's what coming home is. The, the image of, uh, it's, a uh, uh, waiting, wait for the bus with a duffel bag. It's such a, like, again, in, in contrast to the song before, is Patriots directly before? Yeah. The song, uh, before it, which is this big kind, you know, bombastic song and then just the image of somebody just kind of like it's not even a suitcase like it's just a duffel bag is so sad (laughs) yeah it's like time to go back to whatever you know it's yeah Yeah. just um spending a couple days at home with the folks that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um (laughs) yeah yeah definitely one thing that made that made writing this record a lot of fun is that there's a lot of places on it the parents go mm-hmm. to Miami. Mom goes to Dallas, and she goes to January sixth. You know, the son's out doing his life, and whatever's left, we establish the daughter somewhere. Dad goes out to places in Pennsylvania. Like, there's they all go places, and that mm-hmm. that made this record really fun to write because I got to explore lots of new settings and have relationships with them, and that that was great. But yeah, coming home, um, I was just kind of my partner asked me when I was writing the record. They were like, you know, how does it end for mom? Like, how does it uh-huh. end? And I like they asked me that when I was maybe halfway through writing it, and I really struggled with it because I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know, I don't know how it ends." And then I was, I kind of reflected on that, and I was like, "No, none of us know how it ends. Yeah. We're still in we're the middle in of it. it. Yeah, we're still completely in the middle of it. Yeah, uh, and no one knows where all this is going. Uh, you know, the idea. I'm sure there are all sorts of people who are on all sorts of versions of the the QAnon or just online conspiracy journey. I'm sure there are people who went all in on it and have since become totally disabused of it and have come back Mm -hmm. to reality. And I'm sure there are some people who are more committed than ever. Um, But it's a mess. It's a mess. It's not like there's an answer to... It's not like there's an answer to it. Um, And so I kind of thought it was important to leave the record a little open-ended by having the kids just kind of wonder if their mom is going to come back to being the person that they always knew her to be. It is. We've said it a few times, but it's just so fascinating to be in the middle of something this significant and this kind of like widespread. And, and yeah, I think, you know, if you're, if you're kind of like telling and like, when I say honest or like an honest story, I think you know what I mean. Um, it makes sense that this would have this open-ended feel at the end, um, and I, I'm glad that obviously you go through an album like this. You hear rotating perspectives, and you're playing in your in your head whose song is whose. And this one, I did have a a, a little harder time pinning down, and I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't just me. That, that is supposed to have this kind of a uh, little bit of ambiguity there. That's cool. Yeah. It, uh, it, maybe it's a cop out to say like, oh, it's the collective voice of the family. Right. <laughs> but it's at least from both of the kids perspective. Yeah. It's the two of them kind of reflecting on their childhood, which is probably not that hopefully not that different than like a lot of people's childhoods. Mm-hmm. Like this is a very typical suburban. This could be so many families I knew growing up, including mine. Um, And just to have the two kids kind of wonder if it's going to be like this forever or if mom's going to come back down to earth. Yeah. I don't think it's a cop out to say that, especially when you spent the rest of the album uh, kind like carving out these different distinct voices. It's it's clear that they all do have personalities. I don't think that's a cop out at all. 
you do something you do something on this uh, you're welcome <laughs> you do something <laughs> on this album a couple of times then you really drive it home at the end and it's just it's something that I'm kind of a, a sucker for so I think maybe that's why it jumped out to me in particular but you've got these all throughout these little like kind of um, lists or catalogs um, one of them being the just to give folks a couple of examples specifically I was thinking of when you're the the Rolling Stones and the Cotton Bowl Elvis in a mask on the keys Michael Jackson backing at the microphone there are a couple of others throughout but then this last one is this long catalog yeah um this last song of these and for an album that is so in conversation with with looking back and nostalgia to a degree um can you talk a little bit about this list it's the one i mean you know but for listeners it starts making coffee singing songs building legos elton john and it goes all the way down through live together die alone chasing rabbits coming home that whole long catalog there yeah, I love lists uh, mm-hmm. when I'm writing lyrics. Uh, um, I'm almost like I'm like I'm almost like oh man, you picked up on that, huh? Um, <laughs> but no, I love it. I love it. I love. Uh, they're like little building blocks, right? You can mm-hmm. keep like layering different things, and um, you you know you throw out three really nice things, and then one fourth thing that's not so nice, and it can be surprising <laughs> or challenging, and uh-huh. uh, change the the emotion and how that list feels, right? You can start to paint a picture, and then suddenly grab a different color and now the picture's changing. I love that. Uh, and I do, I do do it quite a little bit on this record. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. But um, with, with this particular one, this sort of at the end of the song, um, I just kind of wanted to paint a picture of what childhood feels like, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's why there are some bad memories thrown in there too, or some, mm-hmm. some weird ones uh, or specific ones uh, because, you know, childhood everyone's childhood is extremely different and everyone's childhood is also very the same, right? Yeah. Like in the, in a bell curve sense, right? Obviously they're mm-hmm. outliers to everything, but um, yeah. So I wanted to just at the end of this, just paint a big picture of wh- what this family was like when these kids were young, um, the good and the bad. And then um, I don't know, I guess maybe like have, have the kids, maybe let their mom know that they understand all the good and all the bad and they, they kind of just oh. want her back. Um, I think that that's, I think that that's probably it. Uh, I, 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 I don't want to say this, but I, I do want to say it. <laughs> Live together, die alone is from the TV show lost. Is it yes. lost? It's yes. a lost reference. I was just, I'm yes. so glad you said it first. I was, just about to ask you that is the chasing rabbits part of that no the rabbits in no. the well okay. no oh that's brilliant i that's not no the, one of the initial um names i had for the record was the rabbit hole and, oh, okay um, that yeah, makes sense there's a lyric in i'm ready if you're ready that says i know you need to know how deep the rabbit hole goes right, just, right the, yeah. the rabbit hole is just a metaphor for the online um so yeah live together die alone chasing rabbits coming home <laughs> felt like the right way to end it uh but yeah i love lost and i i, I do think you know i'm not just cribbing lost like i do think that <laughs> The sentiment fits, you know, there yeah. is a, there is a, there's, it's a record about aging and families, right? And like mm-hmm. there, that, that talks about, I think, families when they're young versus the end of our lives and all these kinds of things. So it did fit, uh, but I was a little excited when I thought about it because <laughs> I, I love that show. I love Lost so much. I've yeah. threatened so many times to start a Lost podcast. It is like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't want to submit an application for Look. guest host, but <laughs> at least have me on. You... I'm telling you when it happens, you'll you'll be the first person to know now, I promise. This oh, was, that sounds great. This 
it's truly been a joy talking to you about all of this, but I can't tell you how excited I am to have recognized I'm incorrect about a lost reference in a song. I just, <laughs> you've really made my day. Yeah. One thing, I'll, last thing I'll say about this little list at the end of the song, a uh, 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 fellow named uh, Brian Miller, uh, who makes music under the name The Lightning Bug Situation, he helped me That's out a, a lot. That's a great name. He's a phenomenal musician. He's a great musician. His music is wonderful. His writing is very thoughtful. He helped me out a lot with this record. Um, uh, there are other people who helped too. Who uh, there's too many to name, but he he mm-hmm. he did a great job. And uh, the guitar lick that comes in um, with this list and that sort of outros the record is all him. And yeah, uh, cool. I, I, it's one of my favorite parts of the record. I think it's the right way to end it, and uh, would not be what it is without his involvement. He's he's great. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, folks, you've you've heard a little bit of it today. Um, if you like, I said, if you haven't listened yet. Um, make sure you go pick up Waiting for God to Turn on the Lights because it is uh, really beautiful and thoughtful and interesting and relatable and very easy to connect to um, album that asks a lot of really interesting questions and has a lot of cool stuff to say and also just kind of rules Um, so check it out Uh, Dylan I really could talk to you forever thank you so much for joining me today and I'll have you back when the Lost Podcast um, <laughs> finally airs. It's I've been threatening for years. It's eventually going to happen. Let's do it. I, I want to do it. Hell Thank yeah. you so much for having me. I've had so much fun. Yeah, of course. Um, this has been Left of the Dial. I have been your host, Andrea. Dylan Gallimore has been my guest. Go pick up, like I said, Waiting for God to Turn on the Lights. And um, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And if I don't see you.